0: Good morning, everybody hear me okay? Thank you. All right. Get all this set up right quick. I hope everybody's doing well. Um, I wanted to start off this morning with just saying how good our God is. You know, the music this morning um, wasn't coordinated between Kathy and I, you know, um, but the songs just fit perfectly. and. I love it when God does that in our lives, where you know He provides for us, even though you know we don't always um, prepare as we should. God always provides for us. It, it doesn't matter where we are in our life, and I, I just thank Him for that. And I, Kathy, thank you so much for that music. It was it was truly beautiful. And I also wanted to thank the church and the elders for allowing me this opportunity to give this message this morning. Um, these. Opportunities are always so special as you're preparing a sermon, just opening up your ears to seeing what God has in store for you, and just all of the different directions that I've been pulled as I've been trying to put together this sermon. It's it's just truly a a blessing for this opportunity. And that being said, um, this message this morning is going to be on the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, and Elijah has become one of my favorite prophets and he just shows and displays a total human side to himself that you know all of these great feats that he's able to do that we'll talk about he still is a human just like us and I think that a lot of us can relate to these to these things that happen in Elijah's life and so with that being said if you'll please stand for the reading of God's word we're going to be in first kings chapter 19 verse 1 through 4 And the words are on the screen. Now Ahab had told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with it, deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Please bow your heads with me. Dear God, I come to you this morning with humble gratitude for this message. I pray that you just let your words flow through me, And let your message resonate in the hearts of our church. I pray that it is received with understanding and can be applied to each individual here this morning. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So at this point in Elijah's life in the scripture, it's talking about one of the lowest points in his life. It's talking about a time that he's going up against a Venetian queen, Jezebel, who has basically sent him a death threat and is saying that she is coming after his life. It was a time in Elijah's life at which he was running, a time at which he was afraid, a time at which he felt no greater than his ancestors, a time of little faith, a time he had given up and wanted to meet his end, a time at which he had prayed that God would actually take his life, a time at which some of us may have come across in our lives and some of us may come across in the future. The good thing is, this message this morning is for either. Whether you feel your road is behind you, or your tough road is behind you, or you will be going through the fire soon, I pray that you understand this message is for you. Today, the media tells us about all of the different things we need to be worrying about. It tells us we need to, how we need to look. It tells us how to dress, what phones we should have, what cars we should have, if our home is good enough, if our job is good enough, how much we should get paid, how much our time is valued, what we should weigh. Do we have the right insurance? Do we have enough insurance? Do I even know why I'm paying for this insurance? And we worry about our finances, we worry about our status and our image, we worry about our kids, our parents and our friends And don't get me wrong, there are a lot of things we worry about just because we care for them. But God has shown me that sometimes our weariness can lead to weakness if it's not channeled in the right things. You see, Elijah's weariness was channeled from fear. And when we act on fear, we act on a limitation of God's power. As as he is receiving death threats from the queen, he had his eyes removed from God's purpose on his life and this happens in our lives daily, as we're worrying about all of these distractions in the world, our focus is removed from God's purpose in our life. You see, there's a lot of irony from Elijah's weariness, too. If I were to leave you with only this portion of the scripture, you would understand why he is running. I mean, he is receiving death threats. But the events that happened prior to him running caused me to believe he was running from his life rather than for his life. You see, in 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah predicted a drought of no dew nor rain for three years in Samaria, and it did not rain. Then God sent Elijah to a small brook during this drought to ensure his survival. And let me point out that God's providing, his way of providing for us is not always the way that we would see it. You see, At the brook, God sends ravens to bring Elijah food so that he may survive. And in today's world, if we were thinking a bird would be bringing us food, we'd wonder what disease we're going to get. We'd wonder what we're going to get today. Is it going to be a fruit? Is it going to be a meat? Is it going to be a fig? We don't know. But ultimately, God is providing for him, just as God is providing for us. Whether we may see it as a little bit, God sees it as a doorway for miracles in our life. You see, after the brook dries up, God sends Elijah to a widow at Zarephath. At the widow's house, Elijah witnesses God raising the widow's son from the dead, as Elijah had prayed God to do. So if Elijah does not go through this time period of the brook in his life, he'll never get to see the miracle that happens at the widow's house. But not just that miracle. You see, in 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah presents King Ahab with good news. After three years, the drought will finally end, and God let it rain. And then then Elijah put 850 ball prophets to the test in front of a crowd on Mount Carmel, He has the prophets of Baal place a sacrifice on their altar and pray their gods send fire to light it. After a while, he gets boastful and taunts the prophets. Yell louder, he says. Scream louder, he says. Your gods are sleeping. You need to wake them up. And after a pitiful defeat, Elijah adds insult to injury. He dumps water over his sacrifice three times, enough to fill a trench. And he calls on the Lord to light it, and there's fire sent from heaven down to his sacrifice. After this, he takes the remaining prophets of Baal down to the Kishon Valley to be slaughtered. You see, God provides for us in miraculous ways. Sometimes we just have to go through the brook in our life to get to the miracles that happen. But whether we're in the brook or whether we're experiencing these miracles, God provides for us just as God has provided for Elijah and proved the miracles that he can work through his life. He shows Elijah the power that he can have over his life. And yet, this all leads us right back to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1, when Queen Jezebel sends a retaliate threat to Elijah and sends him running. After predicting a drought, after raising a son from the dead, after predicting rain... And after the Lord has answered his prayers and sent fire from the heavens, Elijah runs. And let me point out, Jezebel only sent a messenger. Jezebel did not send an army. She didn't send an assassin. She didn't come herself with a sword making threats. She sent a simple messenger. Which makes me believe that if she could actually have killed him, she would have done it already. And she knows that if Elijah is standing in faith, she can't do what she wants to do to him. She has to send messages to knock Elijah off of his faith. You see, the enemy doesn't send messages, messages, doesn't send these messages by sword or assassin in our lives, knowing that we'll simply turn and run away. Our enemy sends messages in our lives that plant seeds in our heads through jealousy, through greed, through anger, through malice, and through fear, all to knock us off of our faith. Because if the enemy could actually do these things that he brings fear into our life about, he would have actually already done it. And yet, just like Elijah, all of us are human and we run too. When life gets tough, when we aren't getting paid enough, when our job is tough, when we have a disagreement, when we get mad, and when someone else has what we want, and we don't understand God's timing, we throw all of the miracles that have happened in our lives out of the window and forget who is truly in control of our lives. Just like Elijah, we misunderstanding this as running for our life when we are truly running from our life. But yet, I am still encouraged because this low moment in Elijah's life is not the end, just like the low moments in our lives are not the end. In 1 King, chapter 19, verse 5 and 6, then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once, Rob, this one's for you back here. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. If there was a fellowship meal going on, I bet half of the crowd would have already left. <laughs> so, he said, the angel touches him and says, get up and eat. Elijah looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and then laid down again. You see, although Elijah is running in his life, God is still providing for just as he has provided for him at the brook. He's providing for him even though Elijah turns his faith away from him. And for those of you that are running in your life right now, I want you to understand that God has not left you. Although we turn our back to him, God does not turn his back to us. God is still with you, and he will never leave you. It reminds me of of a picture at my Mimi's house that I would love to read. It was the story of a man walking on the beach with Jesus. He is overlooking two sets of footprints going down the beach. In the clouds, he can see a time in his life. He can see a timeline of his life. As the bright and good times are happening through his life, he sees two sets of footprints. But during the dark and stormy times, he only sees one set of footprints. One set of footprints. And so after a while, he finally stops and asks Jesus, Lord, I see during my life the good times You're walking with me, but I don't understand during my times of trials and tribulations, it seems that you leave me. And Jesus replied to him, during the good times of your life, I was walking beside you as a friend, but during the dark times in your life, I was carrying you as a savior. You see, God is carrying Elijah during this time in his life, just as God is carrying us through these low times in our lives. But this verse is still...
1: Interesting
0: because you would think after Elijah or God is still providing for Elijah during these times, he would finally wake up and go, All right, God, I'll listen to you. But that doesn't happen. You see, in verse 8, he's still running. The Bible says that then Elijah traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And in our lives, sometimes that's 40 seconds, 40 days. 40 weeks, 40 months, and maybe even 40 years that we're running in the wrong direction. And the reason I tell you that he kept running was not because God had not provided for him, but God had the provisions by his head, and his enemy had planted seeds in his head. You see, we need to be more cautious about what we let the enemy plant in our heads. Our enemy is at work every moment of our lives, planting seeds of insecurity, of hate, of jealousy, and we've got to stop allowing it. We've got to stop allowing it through the social media we look at, through the music we listen to, and the TV we watch, and through the books we read. We've got to start censoring our minds and not allowing these evil thoughts in through the front door, through our eyes and our ears. Finally. In verse 9 through 11, on Horeb, the mountain of God, the Lord appears to Elijah and asks him a very important question. What are you doing? Elijah replies to him, I've been very zealous of the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord replied and said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to come. I feel this morning, or at that point, then the Lord has directed Elijah to go back and take the kingdom of Israel back for the Lord. I feel this morning the Lord is calling on us to reflect on our actions in our lives, to pause for just a moment and to think, what are we doing? Are we living by his word or are we living by the world? Are we letting seeds be planted in our heads or are we looking around at the provisions by our heads? Are we we believing in the miracles that have happened in our lives or are we letting the distractions take us off of God's path for us? And if you think that your life is not like Elijah's, not filled with these miracles, not having God's mercy poured out over your life, you're wrong. A big portion of my childhood, I thought the same thing. On December 19th, in the year 2000, my parents' divorce was finalized. I grew up in church between two households, but I always felt like I wasn't at home. It wasn't anything that my parents had done about the love that they showed me and the care they showed me, and I never wanted for anything but I'd ask God to bring my parents back together. I'd ask God why I'd have to live like this. I'd ask him why I couldn't have a family like some of my friends. And as I was going through this tragedy, I didn't realize the miracle that was happening in my life because that miracle was happening 450 miles away and I didn't get to see it until 20 years later. You see, on February 9th, 1999, Tanner received a liver transplant and was surrounded by a loving and supporting family and church. So many thoughts and prayers and tears and great medical work was put in with her procedure in her childhood. And thank God that he split my parents apart and that he paved my way to the blessing to have met her. You can't tell me that God wasn't working in my life as in my childhood because he was working, I just couldn't see it yet. The same God that is providing these miracles to Elijah is the same God that has put me in that position. And I also wanted to mention that on February 9th, 2019, 20 years later from her transplant, was the day I asked Hannah to marry me. The same God that. Excuse me, I'm sorry. The same God that provided these miracles to Elijah is the same God that put me in this position. And it's the same God that rises and sets your sun every day, the same God that helped your mother deliver you into this world, and the same God that is putting the air in your lungs as we speak. God is never not working in your life. Although you may be at the brook and not seeing the miracles that he's laying out for you, he is never not working. Don't let the seeds of this world be planted in your head and distract you from the miracles and love God has for your life. If you think He hasn't performed these miracles, you're wrong. You just haven't seen them yet. You couldn't imagine the blessings that God has for your life if you too would just stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord and set your feet in faith. At this time, I'd like to invite you to the altar. If you have not received Christ to be your Savior, I ask that you come stand in the presence of the Lord and accept him into your heart. If you're needing a church to call home, I ask that you come forward and we would gladly accept you with open arms. If you are needing prayer and the strength to stop allowing these seeds to be planted in your mind, seeds of insecurity, of doubt, of anger, I ask that you come forward and receive prayer. We still have time to stop and ask ourselves, what are we doing before we get to God's gates And he asks us, what did you do? Please pray with me. Dear Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the very many blessings you've given us. Thank you for your message this morning, and I pray that you allow us to carry it throughout our lives. I pray that you allow us time of reflection and allow us the time to ask the question, what are we doing? And allow us a path to get back for God's purpose in our lives. We love you and we thank you. Amen.